Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart here with Garrett Eisler once again. Hello, Garrett. Hello, Ted. So today we're talking about season two, episode 15 of The Odd Couple called Security Arms, which is available on CBS All Access. And we will talk about the episode after we hear from Garrett a little bit behind the scenes. Okay, so uh, season two, episode 15, Security Arms, air date January 7th. 1972. So we By the way, we're out of 71. Yeah, that's true. We've been stuck in the Happy fall. New Year, Garrett. Happy New Year. And you know, as last week's episode was indeed on New Year's Eve of 71. And I know McGovern's going to beat Nixon. I just know yep. it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and yes, especially since the... Anyway. So we uh, have a special treat in the writing credit today because it's the first at least season two episode credited to co-creator of the show jerry belson and i've been looking for an opportunity to talk a little about jerry belson because you know we keep emphasizing gary marshall and he was indeed really you know the number one showrunner but belson was his partner and they were co-executive producers of the show co-created the show they had a very tight partnership um uh even though marshall had a kind of higher profile but I was I looked up Marshall's autobiography, uh, read through his chapters on the Odd Couple, and he really gives a lot of credit to Belson. The two of them were writing together all the way through the '60s, starting with Dick Van Dyke, and they had a very close relationship. Uh, but Marshall talks about Belson like he like Belson was the genius, and Marshall was like that pra- practical showbiz guy, and he he admired Belson a lot for his almost highbrow sense of humor, his weird, dark sense of humor. Uh, and that would, he'd often write jokes that uh, no one in the audience would get. And this, this episode does have some of those darker elements. So that did remind me of that. Uh, Bels, and also Belson, interestingly, I don't know when, how long he's credited, but Marshall claims that Belson kind of drifted from the show after the third season, uh, that Belson was a writer who had greater ambitions, wanted, didn't want to be stuck in television. He did end up writing some, some very notable screenplays after uh, The Odd Couple later in the decade, including the movie Smile, which was that the comedy about the beauty pageant. Never heard of it. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, original fun with Dick and Jane. That I know. The End. Bert oh, was that with Bert? Yeah, and Dom DeLuise. Mm-hmm. Some I some vision of them walking on a beach. Is that it's from the ad side movie? Yeah, yeah. I like, feel like there's a that's what I remember from the old ads for that right. movie. Yeah, uh, and and most unusually surprising to me, he is uh, he had a he worked for Steven Spielberg. Never heard he, of him. Uh, uh, and IMDb lists him as an uncredited writer on Close Encounters. Never now, heard I'm of always that. dubious. Never heard of that either. Huh? No. Uh, I'm always dubious of the IMDb uncredited, but I don't. How does he fit? I did he punch up the the script? Well, to make it, there is you know Richard Dreyfuss's character, yeah, erotic. I don't know, yeah. but but he's definitely credited on the later Spielberg film Always, which was not one of his more not, successful no. films. It was the one about the pilots? Yeah, uh, I remember that. Uh, and but you know it kind of indicates what Belson's range range was, and. But after the 80s, he didn't really do much uh, hands-on writing of film and television, but he, his last big credit was quite notable. He was one of the executive producers of The Tracy Ullman Show. And he clearly was, uh, through both her original show and some of her specials, uh, he also was a producer on Drew Carey Show. Uh, so he had quite an interesting career up to the end. So... Uh, so this, we finally, I don't believe he's credited on many Odd Couple episodes, but this is one that's all Jerry Belson. So uh, thank you for the edit. Right. Give it up we, for him. It's hard to, right. We definitely need to have a spot if we're talking about the Odd Couple to talk about him because he is one of those unsung heroes. Um, 
And let me just say this before we get into it. So we have, as usual, we have clips. We have two clips that are almost four minutes long, which we haven't had really before. And that's because the way this episode's built, there's just a couple of great almost monologues, but just long scenes where there's a lot to hear and you, there's actually no good place to cut and they're worth to hear it. And it's just the way this episode's built. Maybe that's a Jerry Belson thing. So uh, you will have to indulge, indulge us and hopefully it'll be enjoyable to the, the listener to hear these scenes and they won't seem like four minutes. Usually we play about a two to three minute scene at most. Um, so, and our first clip when we get to it will be almost four minutes. So we have an establishing shot of 1049 Park Avenue. And then we see the opening shot of the show is Felix in a suit, tied up in a chair, very cliche, kind of ropes around the back of the chair and around his chest. He has a large white piece of tape on his mouth, and you can see the living room is ransacked. Uh, we hear Oscar gargling, and Felix tries to shout to Oscar, but he can't really do it because he's got the tape on his mouth. Oscar comes out in his pajamas. He's half tired. He taps Felix on the shoulder and says, hiya, buddy, having breakfast? But I just love that he's just completely uh, ignorant of what's happening and just thinks Felix is going up to his normal stuff. Uh, he goes to the refrigerator. He's getting milk. His eyes are still almost shut. Uh, Felix again shouts a muffled Oscar. And then Oscar says, tastes good. Mm-hmm. And Felix does it again. And now Oscar realizes something's amiss. And he says, your sinus acting up again. Uh, they do this a lot in the show where Oscar is sleepy and oblivious to something going around around, around him. And uh, Jack Klugman did such a good job playing oblivious because you're sleepy. Oscar then says, what? What's the matter? And he starts to open his eyes. And he now notices that the living room has been robbed. And he takes about like five seconds. Yeah. Like, he stares around yeah. the room more, I think, than most conventional sitcoms would allow the character to stare. And he says, what happened? It looks like we've been robbed. Felix nods and says, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, Oscar comes out of the kitchen, and of course, he doesn't care really about Felix. He says, my color TV, my typewriter, to which uh, Felix is saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, in his muffled voice. Oscar asks Felix if he saw who did it. Felix does say yes under the tape, and Oscar then says, they took my tape recorder, all my notes. And Felix starts yelling, Oscar. Oscar says, what is it? Felix says, untie me, which we can hear him say. Oscar then rips the tape off his mouth really fast, which I imagine to actually to Tony Randall, that must have hurt, right? I thought of that too. It's very, that's very convincing. Although I suspect this is either a sound effect or it's, you know, it's rigged so that it's not really that sticky for him. But this is a convincing little effect. But, yeah, so I agree, the, the sound of it coming off is clearly an effect. But in order to not be sticky, it had to stay on while he's actually talking underneath it. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, I don't know I how don't you know. do Maybe, that. Tony Randall's really suffering for his art here, you know? Could it have been CGI? Uh, I don't know if they had that then. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, Felix screams in pain with, when, when it comes off, and Oscar says, what happened to you? And Felix smiles and says, oh, nothing. And then <laughs> we go right to credits. And, Can I just say, yeah. before we go on, that uh, it's, this is, I vaguely remember the episode, and I got it confused a lot with there is a later episode that is a similar theme of like crime and where they're yeah about new york that's really more about watch. new york yeah thing, right? yeah and they're also tied up I that's think. a su- yeah that yeah i think also there's a subway that's the episode where they go into the s- subway or no i can't now people who are fans i just know there's another scene yes, where they're, yes. Where they're tied up that's where they that's where they start to sing that song oh, that gets yeah. cut out of the the one on the disc oh okay yeah Yes, anyway, yes, this is uh, not the first time so, we'll see them. But I was still really struck by that time. opening image. It's it's quite unique for the series that the first image we see is Felix, as you said, in impeccably dressed, but bound and gagged in a chair in the middle of the living room in the morning, where we, as soon as we see Oscar waking up, we clearly put together that Felix has been tied up all night in the living room. Yeah, and he's in a suit. explain to us. He's and he's... A, right. <laughs> Uh, and they do explain so, it. Like, they do say yes. that he came home. Like, there's a there's dialogue I think we'll hear on the clip where it's yes. you can hear that he came home and got tied up. So it is quite disturbing. Yes. All right, so let's play the... Uh, we're going to play the three minutes and 43 seconds that come after the opening credits here. They even took my Washington Centennial cookbook. <laughs> my luck, gourmet robbers. 
make sure I got the description you gave me, Felix? Two male Caucasians, both about six feet. One had mud on his shoes and a, and, and a tomato stain on his shirt. That's right. The other one needed a haircut. Oh, Murray, it was so frightening to walk into your apartment and see two criminals ransacking the place. I said to them, this is the most outrageous example of antisocial behavior I have ever seen. You really said that, Oh, did? absolutely. You bet I did. That's when they take my mouth. I didn't touch my room. They took one look and figured someone had probably beaten them to it. This thing sure has put you in a bad mood. Forgive me if I seem to be a killjoy. But being bound and gagged for nine hours tends to rob one of his spirit of fun. Why didn't you wake up? Didn't you hear me honking there all night long? You honk every night. You make every night New Year's Eve. I must say you've got a very casual attitude towards this. Thank you. It isn't easy with you around. Did you ever? You know, there was an assault in this building last month. Mr. Sweetser was attacked. That doesn't count. He was attacked by Mrs. Sweetser. You want to know something? I'm glad we were robbed. It cuts down our chances of being robbed again. Right, Murray? It's not true, Oscar. Lots of places get robbed twice. You just don't understand the criminal mind. Yes, I do. I was married to it. <laughs> don't you care about crime in your own neighborhood? I care about my color TV and my typewriter. You may not care if you're killed, but don't you care at least if I'm killed? <laughs> I go back and forth. Boys, please, let's keep personalities out of this. Now, do you have a list of all the stolen goods? Yes, yes. Where is it? The list, the list, here. Now, everything that's stolen that I know of. Here are the warranties, serial numbers, date of purchase where known, slight descriptions of things. Gee, I have never had so many clues. <laughs> it helps with the insurance. I don't have any insurance. You don't have insurance, Oscar? Well, Roy told me to cut down on my expenses so I cancel the policy. A man who spends $60 a month on potato chips cuts down on his insurance. <laughs> You're impossible. Look at they even stole my cigars. It's one thing to be grateful for. Felix, 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 relax, will you? you? You just got the big city jitters. What with the killing, the shooting, the stabbings, the spitting? Spitting? A lot of jitters. I'm not the only one, huh? Gosh, no. You know, a lot of people are moving out of these old buildings into these new maximum security places. I guess they've lost their faith in the police. Are these places reliable? They must be. My captain lives in one. Oscar, you hear this? Oh, you're just chicken. We had a saying in my neighborhood when I was a kid. If you can't stand the heat, get out of Hell's Kitchen. I can just see you guys standing around chuckling over that one in your black leather jacket. Well, fellas, I gotta get downtown and get cracking on this. I got a few ideas already. Murray. Yeah? You forgot your notebook. Thanks, Felix. Murray. Yeah? You're gonna be the only cop who retires a rookie. Blue. There's a lot of good nuggets in there. We get a forgive me. We get a did you ever. We get a Murray forgetting something because another episode he forgets his gun. <laughs> um, I'd like to point out that in 1972, $60 spent on potato chips a month is $374 today. Hmm. That sounds so, about right. I don't know. It does? <laughs> Either Felix is know. exaggerating. You're having a bad month, man. That Maybe. is a lot of money in potato chips. Um, also, of course, the audience just loves it when Oscar comes out and says they didn't touch my room. Yeah. I think they overlap at that. But again, maybe I'm biased from just hearing it so many times. I did think there's a really good callback where he references Roy, who is the accountant. Yes. From season Isn't one, that... who was in the show and in the movie, right? But who and... has basically disappeared. Yes. Yeah. He's gone. <laughs> but they kept continuity on that. So yes. I thought that well, was pretty it's a nice, uh, yeah. uh, It's a nice continuity. For you know, for the fans who remember, uh, rest in peace. <laughs> they didn't kill him. No, to be con on the contrary, they did not kill him off. Um, and I like this feeling that he's still out there in the Odd Couple universe somewhere. But he never. There are scenes in season two with the poker players, and he somehow just doesn't have time for poker anymore. Maybe move to Florida. Yes. So that's a really good scene, and you know, just a a lot of great stuff in there. Of course, Murray being in it. Uh, 
raises all the all the laughter boats, even though he actually is more just a foil than actually just Indeed, laugh. yeah. I don't want to spoil anything for the listeners out there, but when I just chuckled right now hearing Murray say, I'm going to get cracking on this case because actually we never see him again. No. We never, we never find out anything about who no. robbed him. Uh, so after Murray leaves, Oscar says, uh, what are you doing to Felix? Who says, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm cleaning up this mess. Why don't you help me? Oscar says, I kind of like it this way and I'm going to work. He starts to leave. Felix says, how can you go to work in the midst of a crisis like this? And Oscar responds that I'm too poor now to take a vacation. Felix shake his, shakes his finger at Oscar and shouts, it's people like you are turning the city into a jungle. You are an ostrich. You bury your head in the sand and refuse. I don't know what he said that for you because I didn't write the full clip apparently in my notes, but uh, I guess refuse to pay attention to what's going on. Uh, actually, no, sorry. I'm incorrect. He says, and refuse before actually Felix can finish the sentence. That's why I didn't have the full sentence. This is when Oscar actually is getting something out of the closet. Felix's back is to him, and Oscar ties a scarf around Felix's <laughs> mouth to shut him up. So he actually never yep. finishes the sentence after right. saying refuse. Right. Uh, Felix and we're reminded muttered, why the robbers, uh, the burglars gagged Felix yes. in the first place. And Felix mutters very funny. So what's, what is important to contextually realize is at this time in 1972, end of 71, New York murders, just using that as a kind of a proxy for, for crime in general, was at an all-time high. It was 1,466 murders in, in 71, which is a 31% increase over the prior year. Uh, and so, you know, and New York, and as you may remember, and I remember the 70s, was just felt like it had been broken. Of course, the famous Ford to New York dropped dead and the bankruptcy. And crime would keep getting worse until the uh, early 2000s uh, and then started to plummet. And in fact, uh, it was under 300 murders in 2017, 18, where we've kind of been hovering right now. So, I mean, crime has gone down so much since that so time. So isn't it funny, Ted, that this crime wave you described really started to escalate right after we were born? Are you saying we're part of the, we, are the crimes we committed or are contributing to it? Maybe our parents were, got really, were really desperate having to feed these mouths and it's possible and went on sprees. Uh, so and it, it's worth noting that now, I don't know if you're going to talk about this later about the neighborhood and how yes, yes realistic. Yes, right. I'm going to get into that. Yeah, okay, it's a, it's a pet peeve it. of mine. Uh, the next scene, Felix enters Oscar's room in an orange robe. All we see in the bed is a bed sheet and clothes piled on top of what we presume to be a body. We see the body breathing, but cannot actually see Oscar anywhere in the room. Felix starts to talk to the top of the bed where a person normally puts their heads at the top of the bed, meaning, you know, where a headboard is. Felix goes to the headboard and starts to talk to Oscar because that's where he presumes Oscar is. And he tries to wake Oscar up and he sits down on the bed and says, wake up, Oscar, I've got to talk to you. He shakes Oscar again. And then we see Oscar pop his head up from the foot of the bed and Oscar is sleeping backwards. Mm -hmm. And the audience applauds at this. They love it. Yeah. It is a great reveal. And this scene is in the opening credits. Well, not yet, but will be. Later, yes, will be, yes. When they revise, when they do a new opening credit sequence to actually include scenes from the show, yeah. which is not in the original opening credits, this became, what, I, I think this is where they freeze-framed on. Like, this yes. is like... Yeah, and a credit, and like, maybe Jerry Belson's name or someone's name comes up yeah, over that Yeah, this moment. scene actually becomes very iconic for the whole series because yes. it's kind of frozen in our yes. minds from that opening credit sequence, yeah. Yeah, and it is a great reveal um, yeah. to see that. Uh, Felix stands up after Oscar pops up and says, I'm not mad at you. Oscar says, what time is it? And Felix says, it's 3.30. And Oscar says, you're not mad at me. I'm mad at you. <laughs> and he tries to go back to sleep. Felix pokes at his back and says, wake up. I got to talk to you. He then goes and turns on the light and says, somehow I like this room better in the dark. They go back and forth with this sort of banter for a while. And then Felix says that he's made an important decision to which Oscar says, you're going to put on a cape and travel the world by night, poking people awake. <laughs> Felix says friends are supposed to protect each other and they're going to, and that they're going, Felix and Oscar are going to move out of this dangerous neighborhood. Oscar asks, you're really concerned about my welfare, aren't you? Felix gives an empathetic yes to which Oscar asks, and why do I hate you? And Jack Klugman says that in a way that, isn't as mean as it sounds, 
there's a little bit of like a wink in there, but it still is yeah. pretty mean. Now, here's what, yeah, I, I grew up in this neighborhood. Um, I grew up four blocks from where they lived, and it was never a dangerous neighborhood. Even in, Really? Yeah. yeah. Compared to the rest of the city, 86 in Madison. 86 yeah, let's in Park. Park. Eight, we're talking about right. Park. Park. Okay. 86. Right. I grew up at 90th and Park. 86 and Park, four blocks away. I, I passed by this building all the time. It was, it's never been a dangerous neighborhood. No. Well, I just remember when I came, you know, we went to school in this neighborhood. Too, yes, you and, and I went to, wait, we should we say that. You and I went to school three blocks this from right. this apartment. Uh, and it was, uh, I felt we were all, I mean, I guess we were just kids in New York. You know, parents always tell kids in New York, like, be, be careful. Or, yeah. Uh, but I remember the eight, like 86th Street area was kind of, was okay. certainly compared to later, it was a little yes. dicey. Yeah. So, well, a couple of things. First of all, there was the Aton Pates case where a kid went missing. Oh, yeah. That, that's a famous case. So there was a reason to be scared in the city for kids because of what happened to Aton Pates, Potts, Pates. What you're talking about is as you went more east in the city, 86 in Lexington, 86 and 3rd, 82nd, it did get a little dicey. Yeah. But for whatever magical reason, the Park Avenue line. Oh yeah, sure. Well, was it's Park much Avenue. different. Yeah. And I agree with you that um, the idea of this kind of burglary happening in a in a on a high floor in a Park Avenue with a doorman, with a doorman, is that's really pushing it. I imagine yeah. there could have been more inside job kind of crimes and and burglaries, but this kind of like breaking in through the window or whatever, like that. This is where I think the show is trying to is regrets that they set it on Park Avenue. Like they're just hoping no one remembers right. that. And they probably, and no one probably, yeah. Well, although I think people in New York at the time realized it was silly. Now there's a more absurd scene coming up about yeah. like just, yes. just almost yeah. comic booky. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, but um, I do want to state that this is why, that, that, that uh, where they live is a very safe neighborhood. Well, and there's no X-rated movie theaters either, or, you know, yes. movie theaters. <laughs> right, they keep, yes. describing, yeah. they just keep describing their neighborhood as like the cesspool version yeah. of New York City. But to be fair, I guess they want to, that is a different part of New York at the time, or at least that's certainly a, the image that New York is having at this moment Yes, of being a crime-ridden, dirty city and dangerous city. And so they keep wanting to bring that into the show, which I think is great. Um, and you know, so the, the, they figure the details will be overlooked by most of the audience. Of course. And you know, uh, we should have had our podcast back then because we would have been able to bring it up right after it aired. Uh, true. But I didn't think about the podcast in 72. Uh, I was not able to talk, I believe. Well, neither was I, but now you're nitpicking about my nitpicking. <laughs> so Felix, uh, uh, says he's going to look at one of those maximum security buildings. Now, this is not a thing I'm aware of. Maybe this existed in 72 in New York City. Because uh, that's, I don't know. I, I don't know if the type of building that we see later in the show, which is probably exaggerated, actually was something that developers were creating in 72 New York. I'm not aware that it was, but I, I won't challenge that. because I Yeah, don't know. well, you know, that's interesting. That'd be an interesting thing to look up, and maybe some listeners have more knowledge of that. But I kind of suspect this is like the fat farm thing Yeah, is like, it's not just, this is like a nationwide or maybe right. more about what's really being satirized here is maybe even like the gated communities and the suburbs. And you know, the, this maybe is, is not exclusive to New York. No, I'm not saying that, but, I'm, but if it's not exclusive to New York, oh. does it mean it wasn't happening in New York? So I guess I right. don't know what, is there really, was there really a building in New York? at this time where they had a brochure that touted all the security uh, features or not. That's what I don't know. Oscar is now using his hands to tell Felix to leave the room while Felix is talking, which is very funny. And Felix says, you're not going to listen to me, are you? All right, I'll move in with Gloria until then. Felix comes back and says, oh, come on, aren't you going to change your mind? Move with me. Oscar says, good night, Felix. Felix says, I'm glad it happened in this room. Makes leaving that much easier. He turns off the light. And then he comes back, and again, this, this is a scene that happens a lot in The Odd Couple, where Felix is bothering Oscar, Oscar asks him to leave, Felix leaves, and he comes back to finish the point. And he turns the lights on, which now makes Oscar up again, and now he starts to gesture with his hands all around in rage and anger. And so from there, we have this clip uh, of what happens when Felix comes back into the room. 
It's all so funny, isn't it? Is it gonna be a long funny or a short funny? Here we are, separating quietly over a simple difference of opinion. It's gonna be a long funny. After all the yelling and fighting we've had, the final parting of the ways is over a simple philosophical argument. Fascinating, all right. <laughs> no yelling, no fighting. As the poet T.S. Eliot said, not with a bang, but a whimper. <laughs> this is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. In an earlier century, Thomas Gray observed. Hands Get out, Phoenix! Get out of the building! Get out of the state! Join the sea beach! Join Tears, Elliot! He's dead! No wonder he's dead! Um, so I guess we should talk about what's a CB. Uh, CB, uh, CBs are the Construction Battalion Division of the United States Navy, which nickname came from the C and the B, Construction Battalion. You, I think people who spell it S-E-A-B-E-S, -E -E so it's like C, Water, Navy, but it's actually CB from Construction Battalion. And uh, the poem... So Oscar is telling him to go join the CB. Yes, which, which I guess would presumably is take him out of ship him overseas right that's his way of like joining the foreign legion would be uh something uh, other shows use as a reference but this is a more uh, i guess a little more uh obscure reference which maybe you you talked about how jerry belson kind of mm -hmm. did jokes people don't know so he's maybe referencing a a group that isn't as common and the t.s Eliot poem that was quoted is the hollow men which was uh, a post written in 1925 and I believe that uh, Tony Randall might be, there is a famous recording of Eliot reciting it that uh, Randall may be imitating. It's in Eliot's very unique kind of pompous style. And uh, apparently it's his most famous stanza of all his poetry is yes. what Eliot's reciting. And so this is very, getting very highfalutin. And do you have the poem that he gets cut off, that Oscar cuts him off from reading? No. He's going, then he's gonna go, he says he mentions Thomas Gray and he's going to quote from the poem Elegy in a Country Churchyard from 1750. So he's going back like 300 years, 200 years to go back into poetry history before Oscar can kick him out. I'm kind of glad Oscar stopped that. Yes. I'm not a poetry fan myself. That would have been, this is like a, a weird scene and I, I did not remember this scene and I'm convinced that this was one of the cuts in syndication because Possible, yeah. uh, it's easily, it's like an add-on. It could, uh, the scene could easily end right before it. It's not uh, hilarious. It's just kind of, it's very character, like Felix doing a weird character bit. The funny part is watching Oscar yes. respond and like just right. be so annoyed at Felix. That's what the, when you hear the audience laughing before Felix starts talking, it's because of Oscar's reactions. Yeah, because this is like, he's made clear, Oscar, that he has no time. He's like done with Felix. He doesn't want to listen to this anymore. And Felix comes back in to recite poetry and go into some long discourse about their relationship. And like, because this is a breakup scene. He's treating it like this is their end of their relationship. Whenever he does this, it's always in the middle of the night. Yes. It always happens at three in the morning. <laughs> so we have a new scene and Oscar enters the living room with a grocery bag and a portable TV. So now, you know, that's like we've cut away. It's, a, it's like a nighttime now. Oscar enters the living room with a grocery bag and a portable TV. He portable knocks over. Portable TV, by the way, can we just for the nostalgia, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> before, before your smartphone, uh, it really was possible in 1971 to have a, it really, it looks like a radio. Yeah, so it, it does. carrying around. Yeah. And it really was like a, a big, like a small boombox radio with a tiny screen on it that was black and white of course and now you have to explain what a boom box is no don't do that but <laughs> going into a different era yes uh, uh, but yeah the screen is like i don't know three inches or five yeah, inches right um and he has no tv so he needs right I mean, it's actually good that the writers realize that he can't just watch a tv now because yeah. you would think with their continuity problems they would forget that so he knocks over an ashtray with papers on it which it when i saw the scene 
now for the podcast, I was thinking, was that planned? Was it an accident? Was it an ad lib? He goes to pick it up, which is unusual for Oscar to do that. And then he says, I keep forgetting Felix isn't here. And he throws it back onto the ground. So I guess by doing that, it was probably planned, right? Yeah, so. it's, it's uh, demonstrating that he's now back. He gets to live on his own now. He's free. So the phone rings, and although he never says who it is, it's obviously Nancy, by the way, he's talking to them, to the person, calling the person Honey. And he tells her how he's going to watch the portable TV he borrowed. So they reference that. So we, the audience knows what's going on. And he's going to work on his column. But best of all, he's going to make uh, his favorite meal. And he pulls out two frozen TV dinners, Mama Mia Deluxe, <laughs> and Kip Foy's Mandarin Surprise, which he's going to mix together. Now, Mamma Mia Deluxe, I understand. I don't know where the name Kip Foy came from. I Googled it to see if, like, back in the 70s, Kip Foy was some sort of brand of Asian food or restaurants, and I could not find that it is. So it feels like something Jerry Belson made yeah, up. Yeah, once again. Or he had a friend named Kip Foy in his maybe, high school. Yeah. That he thought sounded kind of Asian. Yeah. Although Foy is Or not, maybe Kip uh, Foy was Asian. Oh, maybe. But yeah. Foy is not exclusively no. an Asian name. But it's like Chung uh, King, you know. It's yeah. like, that's but just the, again, like they don't do product placement on this show. Right. That's true. They always make up their own brand. Yeah. So Nancy's, obviously, we don't hear Nancy, but she must be perplexed because Oscar says, you haven't lived until you tasted chop suey with marinara sauce. Uh, by the way, this is not, this is, there's all the times in the show where Oscar combines foods. Like that's his thing is to take a yeah. mishmash of stuff. Goop melange is something, melange, that, oh, something yeah. we'll eventually talk about. Right. Uh, then uh, Nancy must ask Oscar if he's scared to live there. Oscar says, will you cut it out? You sound like Felix, but you don't smell like him and you don't look like him, which creeped me out. He said that. <laughs> he's um, really coming on strong. And which is why we, he can't wait to see her tomorrow night. So as Oscar walks to the kitchen, the front door starts to creak open and Oscar's a bit freaked out now. And he goes to the, and the, it's opening, like the door's opening on its own and it's creaking. Uh, and he goes to the door and he takes a metal container. Is that an umbrella stand? Is that what that was? I assume. Yeah. Okay. So it's an empty umbrella stand, which he puts on his arm to use as like a weapon. And he peeks in the hallway. Then a well-dressed couple walks by. And looks oddly at Oscar, who's now embarrassed and says, I lost my falcon, which is a great line because it does look like one of those things a falconer a would huge on his glove, arm. iron yeah. glove. On yeah. His. So that's a really funny line. Uh, now we cut to an establishing shot, which we recognize from a while back of Gloria's house. And Felix yeah. is on the phone with some sort of very, if you notice, that was not a thin brochure. That was like a 40, 30 page mm -hmm. booklet about security arms which is the place they're going to move into that's jumping ahead. And we cut to Oscar walking to the living room with the now heated TV dinners in his hands. He picks up the phone, which Felix is calling him. And Felix says, Oscar, you're still living there? Oscar says to Felix that he's only been <laughs> gone 12 hours. <laughs> Oscar asks how things are going at Gloria's. Felix says they had a big argument. She puts cocktail napkins on the dinner table. The kids are going to think they grew up in a bar. Then we see Oscar pop open the two TV dinners. He puts them together and he shakes them while saying, poor Gloria. We barely hear him say poor Gloria because the audience is roaring <laughs> at the fact that he's mixing this food. And it is very funny. Yeah. And very clever. It's just, you know, it's one of those. Yeah, he's not, he, he just takes the, package, the packages as they are out of, not a microwave, right? Like a real oven and just rips the tops off and smashes them together. So. And then and shakes, shakes, back shakes it up. up. Right. So as he's mixing the food, Felix says, uh, what are you doing? And Oscar says, fixing my dinner. Felix says, you're not mixing Chinese and Italian, are you? Oscar looks at the phone, incredulous, that figures Felix figured out what he's doing, <laughs> and then lies and says no. Um, and it's very funny. And, but Jack Klugman's actually eating that whatever's in there. And it's to his credit that he looks like he's like, enjoying it. <laughs> like, I can't imagine... Because he had to mix something together, right? I don't mm -hmm. know. I'm sure they figured out a way to do it. Yeah, it yeah. just looks very real that he's really mixed two DVD dinners and is eating it. You know, I am reminded of something Gary Marshall writes in his memoir that I was reading, where he, he, enjoyed, he remembers how much he enjoyed going to lunch with Klugman and Randall because Klugman, he said, would eat anything. <laughs> well, maybe that's in it. Real, maybe, in real life, right. maybe that's he really what it was. was like that. 
by the way, I, I loved, I remember making TV dinners in the oven in the yeah. 70s. That was, I liked those. Felix says he found the perfect place to live. It's a very nice place on 59th Street called Security Arms, and he wants to go look at it. He wants Oscar to come with him. Oscar says, why should I go look at a place I'm not going to move into? Felix asks if he's determined to stay in that death trap. Oscar says he wishes people would stop bugging him. It's giving him the creeps. Felix says, you see, you're nervous there. Oscar says goodbye and hangs up. Now, here we get a, a ridiculous scene. We cut to a point of view of a siren on top of a police car. But that siren is clearly on Broadway, because you can see the... Marquee. Do you think it's the same clip they showed a few episodes ago? I do, yes. Yeah. I didn't go back and look, but I do. It's not on Park Avenue and 86th Street. Oscar goes to the window, and we hear a car screeching and then a car crashing. <laughs> then we hear whistles start to blow, and then gunshots, and then a woman <laughs> screams, and then we hear a machine gun. <laughs> it's like a war movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and it all sounds fake. And I guess right. I, maybe the producers and the staff knew that it was like exaggerated, but it's just ridiculous. Oh, and you're forgetting the spotlight, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, that is meant to be, I guess, from the street. The cop, like there's a whole battalion <laughs> with the searchlight uh, that's supposed to be used. And then we see the light hit uh, the apartment, but it's so obviously a spotlight from the studio, like uh, it's coming from in the apartment. So it's it's a all of it's a bit cheesy. Uh, Oscar goes to the phone, dials Felix, dives onto the floor, asking Felix what time he's going to the building. Quite a sudden transformation. Yes, him. and again, I just have to say this does not happen. <laughs> uh, this really doesn't happen in New York in general, and even in the seventies. But yes. it did not happen at 86 and Park Avenue in. 1972 or any year. Uh, so now we cut to a, an established shot looking up at a modern building in New York, which is probably an office building and not an apartment building. Uh, Oscar and Felix enter an office where we immediately see a picture of J. Edgar Hoover on the wall, <laughs> which sets the tone. Yeah. Felix says to Oscar, you know you were very rude to the doorman, to which Oscar says, I don't like getting frisked when I enter a building. Oscar, Felix says he did not frisk him. He asked for his ID, which is a very normal precaution that he likes. And of course, today, showing yeah. your ID in a building is like right. the norm. And, uh, but back then, it was not. Oscar says he gets the feeling he's being watched. Felix says he's overreacting. But then we hear a voice from a speaker in the wall <laughs> tells them to sit down. Oscar says Big Brother's watching. Felix says it's a loudspeaker. You see them at ball games. In walks a man with a large German shepherd, a small man. Uh, the German shepherd has a muzzle on it, and it prompts both of them to stand up because they're scared of a dog. He introduces himself and says, G. Martin Duke, G. Martin Duke is my name. Safety's my game. Felix says, oh, the dog must be one of those watchdogs he's read about. But Duke says, no, this dog is too small. And Oscar does his too small. This is Duke's personal pet, Peaches. Felix asks why... If he has a muscle, why does it have a muzzle if it's a pet? And Duke says it's because he's learned never to be sure of anything. If man can turn on man, why not man's best friend? By the way, this dog should have a muzzle. I mean, yeah. it's a pretty big dog. Yeah. So it's, that's actually the smart thing to do. Yeah, no so, complaint here. So Duke is played by noted character actor John Fieldler, who was the original Vinny in the Odd Couple movie. Yes. So a good connection there. He also was, his first film was juror number two in 12 Angry Men, and Jack Klugman played juror number five in 12 yes, Angry Men. Yes, that's one of Klugman's main credits before the odd couple, yeah. And according to Wikipedia, John Fiedler appeared in this episode because of his friendship with Jack Klugman, which I'm guessing started on that movie set, unless they knew each other beforehand. Well, you know what's interesting, Ted? Not only did, Vin, did uh, Fiedler play Vinny in the movie, but also the original play. Oh, I did not know that. Interesting. And... I, I, I looked into this, but it's hard to verify the dates. But Jack Klugman replaced Walter Matthau in the original run of the Broadway play. And while there were many cast replacements throughout its run, it's very possible that Klugman was in the play with Fiedler. Oh. So they might, yeah. So indeed, it looks like they could have had a long relationship. So people also are also going to know him from Star Trek, the episode Wolf on the Fold. Um, he's very well known for Trekkers and there. He also was on 17 episodes of the Bob Newhart show as Mr. Peterson. Uh, he has 212 credits on IMDb, never as a regular in a series. Uh, 
but famous from this again, Star Trek, Bob Newhart, and, and Jack Klugman, and many other. Episodes. I mean, twelve hundred. Other, yeah. how many other Odd Couple episodes? Uh, oh yes, he said one more, one other Odd Couple, which episode. also features a dog. Dog, yes, that's the golden, not golden earrings. That's the, uh, uh, the wonder, the, dog. the wonder yeah, dog. Yeah, the the dog that j- jumps out of the plane. So I just wonder, the John Fiedler and the dogs. Like, is that a you know, is he this? Special oh, dog right. lover. Does that he bring his own dogs on the show? Right. Does right. he have a do- uh, must have a dog in his contract? I, I don't know. So Felix asked to see one of the apartments. Uh, so next we so then we cut to a new scene. Felix and Oscar are quietly filling out um, forms. We hear a buzzer, and the security guard Mel comes over the the loudspeaker and says, "There's a water delivery man who is not the regular guy." Deuce do asks if he checked out his ID. Mel says it checks out. Duke asks Mel to have the man step in front of the scanner, which he explains to Felix and Oscar is their finest feature. Cameras scan the entire building and come through on the screen, which makes every tenant a watchman. Oscar says, oh, goody, I always wanted to be a watchman. Duke says the man looks familiar, pass him through, but take a drink of water just to be safe. Uh, Oscar asks why the form asks about tenant's temperament. Duke says it's a precaution, but Oscar says none of the biz- his business. Duke says that's all right. He takes back the papers, and he says he thinks he has enough information. And then he jots down, Madison given to temper outbursts. <laughs> and then they go visit an apartment, and we're going to play a clip from there. Oh, yes. Oh, this is lovely. Yeah, early sterile. <laughs> this beautiful painting of black donut it's a little cold at first but after we add the personal touch yeah we'll bring in a goldfish for warmth oh, we'll bring our things in here move some of this furniture a little bit oh uh, the furniture is not movable mr unger it's bolted down well, what if you had a rocking chair change change yeah it makes it impossible to steal it's for your own good very good very good what kind of glass is this the finest you can see out but nobody can spy in we're 20 floors up. Who's going to spy in a peeping pigeon? Mr. Madison, it's for your own good. Mr. Duke, when I look back at the best times of my life, none of it was for my own good. If you don't like it here, we do have a long waiting list. Excuse me, well, excuse me, uh, Mr. Madison. May I talk to you a minute? What are you trying to do? Trying to ruin everything? You said you wanted to move. Yeah, but not in the solitary confinement. I think it's the place gives me the creeps. Oh, and waking up in the morning and finding your roommate bound and gagged and tortured, that fills you with confidence. When are you huh? going to forget about that? When the rope burns go away. I asked you to move like a gentleman, and you told me to go live with a dead poet. Then I called you up and gave you another opportunity, at which time you hung up in my face with a mouthful of soy sauce. Then you called me a man with terror in his voice. And you said, Felix, please let me go in with you. And I opened up my heart to you, and you have plunged in the dagger of ingratitude. Okay, okay, lay off, Macbeth. I'll do it. Anything you want, I'll do it. Just stop it. I'll sign the lease. Fingerprint me. It's such a great monologue that he does there. I love that we get another ooh when he's impressed by the room. I love what he says, Mr. Madison, nice to talk to you. He calls Oscar Mr. Madison. He does that. Because it's like he's so well the energy is that felix doesn't want oscar to ruin this he really right. and and he's so humble uh uh before the the owner that he he gets all formal with oscar yeah that's uh that's just a funny moment um the room itself is really well designed i really like the way the set design uh worked here it's a very modern 70s looking apartment um there's the the re you know the the episode later where we'll see the, yes. the redecorate it kind of has that vibe to it uh, and there's a sleeper vibe to it that the Woody Allen mm-hmm. the feel of that yeah all like a lot of metallic furniture I mean uh, Oscar calls it sterile you know which is exactly the the, the feeling and um, yeah it's like bad seventies modern design really <laughs> when we think of you know the uh, experiments that uh, didn't quite work in uh uh interior decorating uh lots of metallic stuff you know gray and bolted down furniture in this case which is really funny and it's really i'm impressed though even with the exterior that you mentioned which seems like more of an office building it's such a great contrast to 1049 park avenue which is an old brick 
Park Avenue apartment building. And, and the contrast between this very sterile apartment and their home, which is, you realize, like very comfortable looking and warm colors, it's, it's a very good contrast to the, to the, to the, uh, the real odd couple apartment. And they did, they just did such a good job making it feel like this really would be an apartment of the future, if you will, in the 70s. Yeah. I just felt <laughs> like it was always impressive to me. Uh, so the next scene, they're in the new apartment. Oscar comes in from the bedroom. And Felix says, this kitchen is a dream. Oscar says the bedroom's a nightmare. Felix says it's because Oscar added his personal touch, filth. Oscar says, my stuff is the only thing I like in there. He says there's a lamp in the bedroom that he cannot turn off. Felix says it's a nightlight. Oscar says he can't turn it off. And he doesn't want to get tan while he's sleeping. Oscar then starts uh, staring into a mirror in the living room and says, I wonder if Duke is on the other side of this mirror looking in. Felix calls that ridiculous and asks why he has to go out on the first night in a new apartment. Oscar says he's a date with Nancy. Felix says bring her here because Gloria's coming over at 8 o'clock. Felix says he's making dinner to make up for the fight they had the night before. He says she calls him a dictator. When Oscar goes to take a piece of crudité that Felix has put out, Felix, says, <coughs> Felix yells at him to leave that alone. Of course, making him seem like a dictator. Oscar says the woman knows you, Felix. Again, because he looks like a dictator. Felix says, would a dictator prefer prepare all her favorite dishes, veal piccata, zucchini, zabaglioni, which is an Italian custard dessert? Oscar points out that those are Felix's favorite. Felix says, in time, they'll be hers. And now we're going to play a clip of Gloria arriving. This is a four-minute clip. I'm taking Nancy to the movies. Why don't you stay here? It's so nice and safe. It's for your safe. own good. Dude, stop it. I'm tired of hearing about safe. After I go to the movies, I'm going to get a fistful of dollar bills. I'm going to stick them in all my pockets. I'm going to go to Central Park, and I'm going to say, go no. me, go me, go me. I'm going, don't worry, I'm going. Look at this, they're off, and I haven't placed a bet yet. <laughs> Must be a fire drill. Mr. Unger, Mr. Unger. Yes, yes. G. Martin Duke speaking. You have an unregistered guest out here. Female Caucasian, blonde hair, five foot four, small scar on right hand, 38, 26, 34. Gloria, Mr. Duke, that's my wife you've got down there. I'll put on my scanner, uh, move in front of the camera for positive identification. Oh, look at Gloria. Doesn't she look nice? Yeah. I recognized her by the scar on her Caucasian right hand. Felix, why are you doing this to me? Why do you invite me to dinner and then have me arrested? Arrested? Mr. Duke, what's going on down there? Sorry about this, Mr. Unger. Standard operating procedure. Felix, what kind of a building did you move into? You'll love it. You'll love it, Gloria. I've made a beautiful dinner. Look. Am I going to have to eat it handcuffed? Sorry about this, Mr. Unger, but why didn't you register your wife? It's in our tenant's manual. Management must be informed of the arrival of all guests. If it's to be an overnight guest, management must be notified by 10 p.m. What kind of a stupid rule is that? A lot of times I don't know by 10 o'clock if my guest is going to stay overnight. saying i'm sorry mr duke i've only reached page 51 in the manual could you send my wife up now please i'm sorry mr unger but i can't release her until mel gets back who's mel our security guard no guest is permitted to wander around the building unaccompanied that's in the manual too sounds like the guy who wrote your manual also wrote mine Kampf. i bring her up myself but i can't leave the office and there's no one else around here i trust why don't you send her up with peaches <laughs> I'm coming down to get you, Gloria. I'm sorry, but the manual state. You can take your manual. <laughs> the door is locked. Can't get out. From the inside, the door is locked. That's our interior lock. Once the door is bolted from the inside, you need the interior key to unlock the door again. Oscar, after I let you in tonight, I bolted the door. I gave you the keys. Where are they? What keys? I don't know. I gave you keys. the new keys. They were wrapped in tissue paper. Where are they? They were in the tissue paper? Yes. <laughs> They're in the East River. Flushed them down the toilet. Al along with a half a tuna fish sandwich and a banana peel. I was cleaning out my pockets. I don't pocket. believe this. I don't believe it. <laughs> Mr. Duke, 
You'll just have to leave your post and bring my wife up here. Yeah, hurry up. I got a date. Don't you understand? The door only unlocks from the inside. It's for your own good. <laughs> Look, Gloria brought my blue pills. What difference does it make? She can't get in. What happened to the lights? Somebody on the third floor just got it. <laughs> the door down. Well, get your axe up here and do it. Felix, I'm scared. We're coming. We're coming. We're coming, Gloria. You bet we are. We're busting out of here in the first laundry truck. There's some visuals in that scene, but it's such a great scene to talk about. Uh, there's so many things going on there. Just, I mean, I'm not going to recite the things that are great. There's just a lot of great stuff. Um, there is a one piece of inserted, uh, when Oscar says, look at this, they're off, and I haven't placed a bet yet. You can hear how that's really kind of It, it is a weird dub in, but yeah. what's funny about it is that it's, uh, Oscar the gambler just instinctively yeah. thinks it's time for the for the races, and he's completely taken out of the moment. <laughs> uh, I don't. I still don't understand why did Felix put keys in a piece of tissue? Yeah. Okay. Without dwelling on this too much, there is. <laughs> they obviously have to come up with a reason why the keys have been completely destroyed, or in this case, flushed down the toilet. But uh, I don't know why would Felix give hide the keys in a tissue paper without telling Oscar what they were. And then we have to believe that Oscar, in cleaning out his pockets, didn't just throw things in the trash, right? but think, I'm just going to flush these down the toilet. Yeah, it's he because as I do with fish. trash all the time. And to flush a tuna fish sandwich yeah. and a banana peel, as we, as we hear more and more today, though, these are clogs. You know, these yeah. are really bad. Well, even then it would be a toilet. clog. Yeah, I don't understand. That, that, that's the one thing that just is weird about yeah. that uh, clip. It's very funny, which you can't obviously hear but there's a Oscar rips off this intercom on the wall. Right. And when Felix goes <laughs> to talk to Gloria, first he talks to the TV screen, then he talks to the wall where the intercom was, and then Oscar hands him the intercom. So he's running around the room trying to talk to Gloria. Right. Every time he tries to talk to Gloria, he it escalates where, yes. you know, and then Oscar has like is holding the intercom by the wires that he's torn out of the wall with. Um, I just, as, yeah, speaking of escalation, I mean, this, this cell scene has this wonderful farcical energy of like piling on one yeah. catastrophe after another and then all the logical consequences that come with one mistake and the next mistake and the next mistake so that's what makes it so hilarious also oscar should know who mel is because when they were sitting filling out the form mel was on the phone about the water Indeed. Uh, but that is such that's just it's uh that's the scene you know that's why one of the reasons i love this episode so much is that scene just is so much stuff going on uh, across four minutes, not not a not a, a empty moment in there. Uh, so in the next scene, we hear someone trying to break down the door while Felix is setting the table. Oscar asks if this is the time to be setting the table. Felix's glory has been through a harrowing ordeal, and she will want something to eat. The door finally opens, and Duke and Gloria come in. Felix quickly rushes Gloria to the table, saying, "Eat, darling, eat. You'll love it." Gloria looks at it and says, "Veal piccata." Felix says, "She'll love it." Duke tells uh, Oscar the door will come out of their cleaning deposit. Oscar says, your nose will be coming off of your face. Duke says, I don't like you, Madison, to which Oscar says, look at this, another birthday present I won't be getting. And then we get uh, the rest of that scene, which we'll play now. Well, be, ca be careful, Oscar, he can be rough. What do you mean he can be rough? Oh, that was nothing. No, well, what's nothing? Explain nothing. Well well, he yanked my arm a little when I was looking for my ID. And what part of your arm did he yank? The lower arm or the upper arm? Well, it doesn't make any difference. It makes a great deal of difference. The upper arm is much more sensual. <laughs> this whole thing is getting out of hand. I want you and Madison out of here in the morning. I'm afraid you're just not our kind of people. You're quite right, Mr. Duke. We're not your kind of people. We don't go around yanking other men's ex-wives' upper arms. <laughs> Wait, I order. 
Security's a wonderful thing, Mr. Duke, but not at this price. Not with sneaky peepee cameras and three-way locks and two-way mirrors. Who? Who told you about the mirrors? This city is tough enough to live in without people like you exploiting men's fears. You're a horrible little man with a horrible little mind who has to yank people's arms to get attention. And we're moving out of here at once, and I'm not even cleaning up. Oh, I couldn't have said it better. You've been saying it all along, but I just didn't have enough sense to listen. You're the kind of people who don't appreciate anything. I had you spotted as pinkos, troublemakers, the minute you set foot in my office. This is the safest, most fully protected bed. Mr. Duke! Mel, what happened? Boss, we've been robbed. They took the computers, the scanner cameras, everything. Come on, Mel! Who could have done such a thing? I think it was an inside job. Who? Peaches. Another great moment, just a great Tony Randall speech. Yes. Um, I love it when, um, you know, the horrible little man with a horrible little mind is fantastic. Oh, and all about, about other men's yes. ex-wives, <laughs> upper arms. arms. Uh, and uh, when he explained the difference between the part of the arm, yes. which is true. I never really thought about it, but it's actually true. Well, yes, he's accusing her of, uh, accusing him of fondling yes. Gloria. Uh, by the way, that reminds me of a line I do have to point out from the previous clip. when. Uh, Duke is going on about the rules about over about guests and then overnight guests. Yeah, and Oscar <laughs> yeah, has that great like. I don't. How do I know? <laughs> I may not know if my guest is going to yeah. be an overnight guest by yeah. 10 p.m. Yeah. To which Felix responds, "Oscar, Gloria can hear every word you're saying, <laughs> yeah. like protecting her female sensibi- sensibilities." Uh, and then something visual in this clip we just played, where uh, uh, Felix goes to like punch Duke, but he restrains yeah. himself, and the way he does that is very funny. <laughs> Um, so that's just, you know, the, the scenes in, in the actual apartment are, are great. Um, and now we have the tag. We're back in the apartment. Felix walks into Oscar's bedroom and says, certainly didn't take you on to take your room back, to get your room back into shape. Well, I'm going to talk about the moving back and forth in a moment. Felix walks to the bed and again in the, bo- in the bed is a, what looks like a body covered with sheets and clothing and not a person being visible. Felix starts to talk to Oscar again, saying Oscar was right, I've learned a lesson. Sometimes you can play it too safe. It doesn't pay, does it? A man has to take some risks just to be a man. From now on, I'm finished playing with shadows. At this time, Oscar comes in from the bathroom, brushing his teeth and says, what? Which startles Felix and the show ends there. It's not a great ending, but it's, it's a callback. You know, it goes without saying, like, just logistically, they moved to this apartment and they <laughs> kept the old apartment. Did they sell it? Did they rent it out? Did they know they did, couldn't rent it out yet? So, but they moved all their stuff. Like, yeah. How does right. all that work? It, I, I don't really care because it's such a great episode, but it is like. But it is true. In, even in 70s New York, when uh, real estate may not have been in such demand, as much demand because of the crime. It's not like you move out of your apartment, you don't like the new place, and so you just call your landlord and go, oh, can we just move back in? Right, with all the no stuff one... in the same place. Like, <laughs> so what do they do with all the furniture? The furniture, they don't have furniture in the new apartment, so they put it in That's storage. That's true. They would have sold hmm. it. Like, of course, it doesn't matter, and obviously they didn't care to get they to could have. They could have explained it away. They could have. Like, luckily ways. we kept the old place yeah. for a month. Or, well, yeah, but... but um, oh, do you also notice how this all happens so quick? If we believe that the date he's having with Nancy... Yeah, um, in the last scene is the date he's talking about on the phone the night oh, before. Oh, right, tomorrow. That means he's <laughs> they moved in. Yeah, like they moved in day. day. Right. Yeah. It's so it that 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 none of that stuff works. But again, I'm 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 letting that fly uh, because it's so overarching. So it's like how are you going to actually nitpick because it's such a big deal and how what what do we expect them to have actually figured out for a twenty five minute sitcom? Um. I love this episode. I, I do give it four or five Murrays, four out of five Murrays, and not more, because of this terrible, terrible crime <laughs> F scene where Oscar has to go to the. Uh, that's what finally convinces Oscar to leave. I just find that scene so comic bookish um, that it makes me not go to like a four and a half out of five Murrays. Uh, but John Field was great. The speeches are great. The set design's great. And it's just, it's an episode I could watch many, many times. And, it, you know, there is a, there is a, I do love New York, like looking at what New York looked like in the 70s and studying that is fascinating to me. And this kind of gets into that. 
So um, it is a it is an episode I really enjoy. I agree, Ted. That's a solid four. Uh, we agree. Yeah, we haven't agreed the last few weeks. No. Um, and I agree with everything you said. It's yeah, it's this wonderful snapshot of, if not the real New York, certainly the perceptions of New York City at this time. There's a mugging joke, Oscar. One of the few mugging jokes in the episode uh, in the series. And I'll just you know pay tribute again to Jerry Belson that I want you know learning what I did about him. It makes total sense. Uh, you know, it's funny reading about him. Reminded me of Larry Charles. You know how, like on Seinfeld, Larry Charles was considered like the darker, <laughs> went yeah. to the darker places. You know, uh, and Belson seems to have that touch because you, we have here like it's this Orwellian prison state. <laughs> they mention Big Brother. He says Big Brother's watching you. They mention Mein Kampf. Um, he's got, he starts, uh, uh, Duke starts calling them pinkos. He becomes Ed J. Edgar Hoover, you know, at the end. Uh, so it really takes on this like totalitarian, they're living in this crazy totalitarian prison state. Uh, and there's, uh, the Oscars making a lot of prison break jokes. Like we're going to jump in the first laundry truck. So it has yeah, a bit of that darker vibe, including the, from the very beginning when Felix is bound and gagged by burglars. So it, it, it takes us, it's a slightly different flavor than a lot of the other episodes. And it just, again, has this great farcical uh, energy uh, that of mishap upon mishap just piling up. Um, that whole, the whole show is kind of leading up to that, the, where we just played the big clips, you know, the scene in the new apartment that night, their first night in the new apartment, the way it builds up to that and then lets that play out as a set piece is great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that, that covers the episode. Um, and so uh, you can always give us feedback at 1049pod at gmail.com. And we encourage you to still give us uh, reviews on iTunes and a five-star rating if you would. And uh, we'll be back next week. And Garrett, as I've always said, you're a horrible little man with a horrible little mind. It's for your own good, Ted. Goodbye. It's everybody. for your own good. Thank you.